Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I take the sting out of divorce. This is your host, Emily Sanchez. Hey everybody, this is Emily Sanchez, LDS Divorce Coach. This is episode number 48, Married and Losing Interest. Hmm, interesting topic today, right? Can you believe that I'm actually an advocate of marriage? (laughs) I want it to work out. I want you to be happy and stay wonderfully, happily married. I don't always want you to be getting a divorce just so you can come and see me, right? (laughs) No, I seriously want the best for people in whatever situation that is. And if you are in a situation where you're married and maybe you have tried and tried and tried and you're like at your last string of hope here, or if you're like happily married and just sometimes you're losing interest, sometimes you're just not feeling it, sometimes you're annoyed as crap or whatever, like this is the podcast for you. Um, I'm happily married, been married for 10 years to my husband Yasser, and I really enjoy what (laughs) I've come up with on this one, I'm telling you. And um, we've been to a lot of different little marriage fun conferences. We read books. Um, We recently went to John, by the way, and Hank Williams conference that was super funny and fun. And we just learned a lot, a lot about communication and and things like that. So I hope that what I have to say will help in whatever situation you may be at. Um, firstly, too, I would just like to say thank you so much for listening. I mean, I was thinking today, who listens to podcasts? Who are the people who listen to podcasts? They are the self-improvement people. Okay, if you agree and you are a self-improvement person, raise your hand. Okay, where are you right now? Are you at the gym, on the treadmill? Are you in your car? Raise your hand. It would be so funny if you did. You'd you'd make somebody's day. Anyway, raise your hand. I am so proud of you for wanting to improve your life, for listening to these things to get you out from something that is no fun and you want improvement, whether it's big or small, right? And so this is the one for you. And after I wrote up some of my thoughts on this, oh my gosh, I really think that it can apply to any relationship. Seriously. So yay on this one. Okay. So married and losing interest. Hmm. What's going on, guys? So of course, I was thinking about my boy, Tony Robbins. And he has this model, if you've listened to some of my other podcasts, you know that his model for meaning is threefold. It's like a pyramid. You have your thoughts, you have your physiology, and you have your focus. His main point is that for obtaining a meaning or feelings about something, those three things really go into it. I use the depressed person 
to illustrate this a lot. So let's say they're depressed, they're feeling depressed. You can go back to the thoughts that they have in their head. What types of thoughts do you think a depressed person's going to have? Um, how about their physiology? Do you think they smile much? Do you think they breathe deeply? No, probably shallow. Do they have their shoulders back or shoulders down? Are they hunched over? You know, body language type things. And then the third one is focus. What are they focusing on? Are they focusing on all the great things in their life? No. They're focusing on things that are tough, things that are hard for them. They're probably just focusing in on themselves and their depression or whatever they have. So that's the the illustration that I typically use for Tony's model of meaning. And I just started thinking about it um, coupled with the conferences that my husband and I went to. And oh my gosh, did you know that you can use his little pyramid of meaning for basically anything that you could be feeling, anything that you're creating a meaning from? And let me show you how. Okay, so let's go back to the topic of you're married, you're starting to lose some interest, or you're just freaking annoyed. And you're finding that you are annoyed and feeling a little helpless and hopeless or whatever the case may be right in the spectrum of that. So let's start with words. First, our thoughts. What words are you using to describe your spouse in your mind? I seriously want you to think about it right now. How are you describing them? Are you saying, oh my gosh, I was so annoyed at how loud he was last night in front of our friends. He told the most stupid joke. Oh my goodness, he spent so much money. Oh my gosh, she has a shopping problem and I can't control her. Um, He can't ever take out the trash. You know, what are the things that you repeat in your mind? Have they gained some weight recently? Are you thinking about that? What words are you using to describe them? And then go into what questions do you ask yourself about your spouse? Like, why can't he ever do this right? Why is she always late? What is going on with this habit? Why are they picking their nose and farting in front of me? Don't they know that that annoys me and makes me unattracted? What type of questions... (laughs) are you asking? You know, this is all about the words. Are you asking yourself better questions? All right. Probably if you're like me, you're asking all the wrong questions. (laughs) And you're thinking about the things that annoy you. You're, you know, you're, you're thinking about those, those are the type of words that come into your mind, because it's easier, right? So you need to ask more of the empowering questions. What can I learn from this? What's something that is great about this problem that I'm having with them? How can I solve this and make it fun at the same time? I I use that a lot with myself (laughs) and with coaching. And I just think that we can make a lot of things fun. A lot of things that sometimes we feel down about, we can flip it, turn it and reverse it. Okay, I'm Missy Elliott. Um, But you know what I mean? So Flip that and make your questions more powerful, empowering them. Let's think about what we can do to ask ourselves better questions. Now, still on the topic of words, let's think 
about our conversations. Okay, so let's go into the words that and our our exchanges that we have between each other. Are they boring? Is all crap? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm using crap a lot. But have you ever been around someone that was just super boring? You guys like their conversations were like. Hi, what did you eat today? Oh, how was your day? How was your day? Oh, oh my gosh, I'm going insane, right? Well, this happened to me today at the gym, and this is gonna make me sound so bad, but you guys already know that I don't care. So I'm on the treadmill, and there weren't enough treadmills for you to not be right next to somebody. You know, I don't like to run like right next to somebody. You want to pick a treadmill, like at least to have one in between, right? The buffer zone. But I was next to this couple. I could hear everything that they were talking about. I didn't have my headphones in because I was just doing a quick, quick. And then I was going on to read on the bike. Whatever, you guys. So they were just super boring. Oh, the kids came in at six. What do you, what do you, how long do you think we're going to stay at the gym? Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to walk. What are you going to do? Walk? Okay. Where should, what should we do dinner? What do you think about dinner? Oh, we had corn last night. You guys, I seriously almost fell asleep on my treadmill. And this is, I don't know why I was, I wasn't bothered, but I guess I was judging the conversation. I just thought it was boring. I think it's because I was thinking about this podcast and the the words that we use. Think about your last phone conversation with your spouse. Was it super boring? Were you just like, oh, hi, yeah. Okay, when are you coming home? The kids want to know when you're coming home. No? Oh, all right. I'll tell them. Okay, bye. You know, like, (laughs) I was just thinking along the lines of the subject of the words, right? If, If I was reading a book with those type of conversations in it, I would not want to continue to read that book. I would fall asleep or not read it. So who wants to be in a relationship with conversations that are so dull. Nobody does. So let's spark it up. You know, I think of English teachers. I had an English teacher who would try to get us to write with more pizzazz, you know, more interest to just overall to be more interesting. So, you know, you take a sentence like the cat crosses the street and you can really doctor that up. The glorious feline uh, slithered anxiously paw by paw across the golden road. Okay, that was a real stretch. But do you know what I mean? We can be more interesting. It just takes a little bit of an effort, even in our vocabulary. Acting interested in what words we're using. What do they want to talk about? What can we think that they want to talk about? Oh my gosh, it's interesting because my husband loves politics. If I want to have more interesting words, I will like watch the news or pay attention to what's going on. And then I'll ask him specifically about something. And maybe I'll try to sound smart for like a little bit because I don't have the hugest interest in politics. But I know that he does and that will make him talk and talk and talk. And then he will find me more interesting. And then I'll probably find him more interesting. So I know sometimes you're thinking, but I'm just 
boring, you know, I'm like a boring mom, or I just had a really long day at work or whatever. Like, yes, you do have to put a little bit of thought into this, but try to spark up your words. Do you have pet names? You know, when you call, do you say, hey, lovies, how are you doing, honey, bunny, or or whatever? And I know that's silly, but sometimes silliness and play is just what you need. So think about those words. Let's start to spark them up. All right, let's move on to physiology. First thing I thought of with physiology was how do you greet each other? Let me tell you, in the Mexican culture, greeting each other and saying goodbye, they, it's like so important. And sometimes it can drive me crazy because I'm a person that if I need to get somewhere, I'm just going to go. I need to go, go, go. I don't have time to give you a kiss before I leave. But man, if you dodge the kiss or avoid the kiss or don't do the greeting or the farewell, that's bad. <laughs> so that's just the first thing I thought of with physiology. So are you greeting them with a smile, with a hug, with a kiss? Are you turning to them? Is there a change in your physiology at all when they're in the room? You know, uh, th this big look on your face like, hey, that shows them I'm happy. This opening up of the self to show them, you know, I'm greeting you with open arms and love. When they're talking to you in general, are you facing them? This was part of our conference. Hank Williams talked about communication and his huge thing was active listening active listening are you turned towards them is your phone put away are you truly kind of enveloped nodding your body language shows them that you are listening intently and that you want to hear from them and want to know what they're they're saying now there's a whole other side to this physiology thing it's the physical side of things What's your love life, you know, like? We're going to get into the nitty gritty here a little bit. Physically, what's it like intimately? Think about it for a second. Are you always tired? Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> so there is a psychotherapist named Esther Perel, last name P-E-R-E-L. I seriously want you to look into her a little bit. She is amazing. I am fascinated by the things that she puts out. Every time I listen to anything that she says, I'm like, yes, yes, it's so true. So she focuses on relationships. Um, it's interesting, her beginnings, her parents were both individual survivors of Nazi concentration camps. And so they were the, the sole survivor. None of their family members survived except them. So when they got married, they truly felt like it was a second chance at life and that they didn't want to just survive life. They seriously wanted to revive it. They wanted their marriage to be passionate, to be forward focused, and just to be everything they ever wanted, romantically, spiritually, connectively, everything. And so that's where she kind of patterned her therapy after was 
from her parents and how they lived life. And her philosophy is that your life's going to be full and enriching if your relationships are. And so she focuses a lot on the romantic side of things. She has written many books about infidelity, about addicts, just about women who can't bear children in their relationship. I mean, she's every type of topic. She's so good. And one thing that she suggests for couples who need to kind of get the spark back into it is one would be for parents, you know, who have maybe children around still at home. She talks about that you need to get out of the bedroom. You need to go and get away from your responsibilities to get away from the roles, you know, that you've placed each other in and the roles that you feel placed in. And you need to go somewhere where those roles and the rules do not exist. So she says you get a babysitter for not till midnight. She doesn't want you to have to be home like at a certain time. But you get a babysitter until the next morning. So you can be out all night, you see, so that you're not feeling like, oh, we got to get back to the kids. We got to have this. So she, just to go somewhere where you can be you and your spouse can be them. So it could be more like courtship. And you could do fun, crazy things. Go, I don't know, go dancing. Meet up somewhere like you've never known each other before. You know, that whole thing. But kind of do something fun and different. And just, again, get out of the bedroom. Get out of your roles. So I really like that advice. And I think that when we just do our best to touch and try to have a physical presence like that, then other things are more welcome to take place, if you know what I mean. So let your significant other, ladies, (laughs) we know the five love languages and uh, most men that I've known is physical touch is number one. So can we just realize that and, and give in every now and then? We don't have to be so stubborn, but to give in and realize that they they want you and they need you and that's their love language. So come on, don't be tired all the time. Okay, so that's physiology. And the last one is focus. So this is my favorite one. I talk about focus a lot. What are you focusing on? Let's go back to maybe the thoughts that you keep going back to. You know, what are you focusing on? All their amazing qualities? Yeah, probably not. It's interesting because it's so easy to find the bad. It's so easy to find the flaws because... Your brain is wired to do that and nothing good comes easy. So I want you to start painting the picture and looking for the good, not looking at all the bad. Paint the picture of who they truly are, what you fell in love with. They're so generous. They're so loving. He has the biggest heart that I've ever seen or known anyone to have. I really appreciate this. I mean, you actually have to focus on it. He's got the most gorgeous eyes that I've ever seen. Focusing on the strengths and telling your brain to shut up with the weaknesses. But 
Another thing along the lines of focusing is you actually have to commit to a higher level of love. What do I mean by that? Yes, I believe there are levels of love. There's a level of love where uh, it's kind of like bartering. If I do this, will you do that? Tony Robbins calls it whoring, but (laughs) I don't call it that, that, but I think it's just interesting. So are you bartering? Are you horse trading? Or do you have the highest level of love, which would be unconditional love? The interesting thing is, is we have this unconditional love for our kids. It comes pretty dang easy. And with the concept of focus, I was thinking about my newborn baby and what I focus on with him. If I was focusing on, oh my gosh, he spit up on me again. I always smell like spit up. That's so disgusting. Can you believe this human being just like regurgitates his food and spits on me? Oh my gosh, my baby keeps me up all night. I cannot handle one more second of this. Can you believe they do this? Or focusing on, oh, this is tiring. This is hard. He's so heavy. I can't hold him anymore. Oh, my back hurts. And now my feet hurt. And now my hips hurt. You know where I'm going with this? No. The average person, you know, unless you have severe postpartum, those type of thoughts, the average person doesn't think that about their little baby that they have to care for and do all these things for. They don't think they're annoying. They don't think that, you you know, things... So what would happen if we did do that? What would happen if we decided to focus on all the good and ignore all the spit-ups, ignore all the the stuff that grosses us out or, you know, put that in the back of our mind? It's so interesting that if we could commit to unconditional love, no matter what, like have a 30-day commitment even, how much good could come out of that? And the last thing I want to leave you with, with the focus category, is praying. Have a prayer. Pray every night that you can actually do this. If this is something that's hard for you, pray. And I can guarantee you that the Lord wants to bless you with this. This is such a good desire. And as you pray every night, it will be something that you are focusing on and something that you can see. Oh, look, I'm focused on the good. And that prayer, it just perpetuates. And it's easier to see when you're praying and you can see that answer to prayer. Okay, everybody. So that's it. But I wanted to go back through one more time and use a different relationship. So I'm thinking with my teenager here. Let's go back through the model. So words. What are your thoughts about your teenager? What words are you using to describe them? in your mind? What questions are you asking yourself about them? Is there a more resourceful question that you can use to get a more resourceful answer about them? What conversations are you having with your with your teenager? Could you spark it up a bit? Spice it up a bit? Make it more interesting? What are they interested in? Let's make it more more interesting so that they want to talk to us a little bit more. How's your physiology with this teenager? How are you greeting them? Are you open to them? What's your body language like? Are you folding your arms when they're talking to you? Are you looking away? Are you facing them, open to them, phone off, down, out of sight, complete attention, arm around them, giving them physical touch? Those things are really, really important. There's so much that can be said 
from body language without saying anything. And then the third one, focusing. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on all the problems of this person, all of your worry, all of your heartache, or are you focused on what they're doing right, what you can bring out of them, what you can notice, the good that you can notice from them, and then take it to the highest level of love. If they're difficult to love, let's take it to an unconditional loving relationship no matter what you're going to do your best 30 days commit to it and then couple that with prayer so that you can continue to focus on all the good okay people that's all i have for today i hope so badly that this can help i know it's helped me already and so i'm excited and anxious to use it more in my life if you have any questions please reach out to me coach emily sanchez at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Bye. Make it what you want. Thank you so much for listening today. Come on over and visit me at coachemilysanchez.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, make it a great day.